This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Direction, not intention, will determine your destination. I want you to hear me on this. I don't know what it is that you want, but I can tell you this. There's a calling on your life that God will reveal to you as you move closer. But to get there, just because you want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You don't drift into things like this. You don't drift into greatness. It doesn't just happen to you. The opposite happens. When you drift, you drift away from greatness, not toward it. When you drift, you drift away from God, not toward Him. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. You're listening to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron. Welcome back to today's program. In this episode, Pastor Jeff finishes his message about a path to life. So far, he's been challenging all of us to think about what are we doing with our life to encourage and motivate as we've been created by God for greatness. Now, this is a great message, and if you missed the first part, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor Jeff has been referring to Philippians chapter 3 if you want to read along. So let's finish this message now. Listen, the world is a dream killer. It's going to kill your dream. If you just drift and go the way of everybody else, it's just going to kill it. And you're going to end up like people behind you, not all of them, but some who regret the way they've gone and wonder why the dreams that they had never became a reality. I believe that every single one of you have a slam dunk in you. Look, if I had time to tell you my story, it's really a pretty sad, look, I'm from Tennessee. Nothing good comes out of Tennessee. Well, maybe out of middle Tennessee, but I'm from the, I'm from Hickville folks. I'm from the sticks, but at a very young age, I was taught to pursue God And the more I pursued God, the more I realized there was greatness. And the only explanation that you're ever going to have when you achieve the goals of your life is you're going to know that God has been involved, that you had a calling, that you knew it was sure, and you knew that direction, not mere intention, determines ultimately your destination. Okay, here's the second. Failure is the gateway to success. Failure is the gateway to success. That's why this passage is so profound. He says, not only, I've not obtained it, he says. I've not arrived. But here's the one thing I'm able to do, forgetting what is behind, and I strain toward what is ahead. I promise you, listen to me. I wish I could just get down right here. Listen to me. If you set out on your life to achieve this greatness, I promise you, you will fail. It's not in the failure. It's your next move that matters. Failure is the gateway to success. There are people in this room that had dreams and they went through a rough patch and they gave up. They gave up. Rather than using it as a springboard to greater success, they resigned themselves to the fact that the dream couldn't become a reality and they forgot who we are as Christ followers. Let me bring in the great philosopher, theologian, Dr. Zeus. Yertle the turtle. 
Yertle the turtle. I'm king of all I see, but I don't see enough. That's the problem with me. And what does Yertle the turtle do? He has all of his little turtle friends stack themselves one on top of the other in the pond, and he climbs to the top. I'm Yertle the turtle. I'm king of all I see. But the turtle on the bottom did a small little thing. He burped and shook the throne of the king. And now Yertle the turtle is king of the mud because that's all he can see. What a great metaphor that if you try to climb, it'll only be a matter of time before you fall. But the question is, what do you do next? Do you climb back up again or do you stay in the mud? Most people are so easily deterred that they end up staying in the mud and settling for a mediocre mundane life. I'm begging you, don't do it. Don't do it. It'll only be a matter of time before you fall. But the question is, what do you do next? Do you climb back up again or do you stay in the mud? Most people are so easily deterred that they end up staying in the mud and settling for a mediocre mundane life. I'm begging you, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't end up like so many around you who settled because they hit a snag. Look, I, I don't know what's happened to you in your life. I, I, I don't know how many of you have been sexually abused. And I have no idea what that's like. But I can tell you this. You've only got one of two choices. One, you let it ruin your life and keep your head buried in the mud. Or you get up, get over it, and get going. That's the only thing I can tell you. Maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your mom or dad. I don't know. I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you this. You got one of two choices. You can either stick your face in the mud and let it rob you of your dreams and your, the greatness that's in you, or you can get up, get over it, and get going. It's the only two choices that you have. And because the Spirit of God is in you, and because you are pursuing Christ, there is a power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to even forgive and move on and use it as a springboard for greatness that is in you. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I just forget past failures. And he's talking about his pursuit of Christ. Do you think you're the only one that said, you know what, I'm going to start praying every day, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to do this, and you did it for a week and stopped? You think you're the only one? That, that, that's life. That's everybody. That's me. That's you. But there's one thing worse than doing this. I'm great with God. I'm not so good. I'm great with God. I'm not. There's only one thing worse than that is this. I'm never good, and I just give up. It's a very bad thing that happens to you as you get older. You know what it is? You start playing not to lose rather than playing to win. You get protective and you won't risk anything. And because you won't risk, because you won't step out and do this thing that God... Listen, do you know there are people in this room right now all over this room that had a great dream and greatness. And they're going to die never having achieved it because of this one principle Paul talks about. They just weren't able to put failure behind and keep stretching toward the mark. It's a horrible thing. And I know because it hit me when I was about 40. I remember going to Langs Beach in the North Shore of New Zealand. And I would take my family for Christmas every year. And we had a little house right across the street that was owned by somebody in our church, and they would give it to my family and me for a couple of weeks just to relax. 
And I'd go out on the beach and play with the kids It's when they were smaller. And there were these two rocks. And every year I'd go out and you'd step up high on this rock. And then I would leap across to the other rock. And it was a long fall down into the water. And every year from the time I was 30, I'd jump it. Because to get to the other side, man, you could see so many other views. But then I turned 40. And I remember that year like it was yesterday. Because the gap, somebody widened it when I was away. <laughs> because now it looks so far. And I remember, I can't do this. It's something that happens with age. You, you, I don't know. And I remember the adrenaline rush I got when I decided I'm going to do it anyway. What's the worst that could happen? I just fall. A long way, yeah. But maybe it'll be when the tide's in. I don't know. And I ran, and I jumped, and I just didn't have enough height and width. And I remember holding on for dear life. And I got the adrenaline rush that I never expected. But I did climb up on the rocks, and I looked back around, and I thought, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Twenty-five years ago, I went to Hong Kong for the first time, and I've told you this story, but now I want to finish it because I finally can. And I told you that my wife, she wanted to go all over the different places because you could smell the different types of food, and she wanted to try different types of food in Hong Kong for the first time, but not me, man. I headed right for those golden arches, right for McDonald's. Do you know why? Because I didn't want to be disappointed. At least in going to McDonald's, I knew it would be bad. But if I went and tried other things, I might have high expectations and be disappointed. You think that's a funny way of thinking, but that's what happens to you as you get older. Well, this past year, I went to McDonald's in Hong Kong. We went to Hong Kong. 25 years later, I took my entire family and we tried the other food and it was terrible. Matter of fact, I'll never go back to Hong Kong. It's too crowded and there's no good food. Sorry if you're from Hong Kong, that's just the way I feel. So as it turns out, 25 years ago, I made the right call. <laughs> How does this impact your sermon? It still doesn't change me from trying new things. Because we went on to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and I tried all that food, and it was fantastic. Thai food, oh my goodness. Wow. Pate. Ooh. Cashew nut chicken. Wow. You think the lucky elephant's good? No, no, no. Go to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Don't do what many before you have done just because you fail. Remember, we are Christ followers, and that means we've learned to count backwards. What's that mean? When Jesus was on the cross, remember what we said? Never was he more centered in the will of God than when he was dying. But we don't count. We count backwards, 10, 9, 8, 7, what's coming? His death, 6, 5, what's coming through that? Life for everyone, 4, 3, 2, 1, he dies, we live forever. When I was in Australia, the last time I was there, a man by the name of David, a lovely wife, Pastor Phil and I went out and prayed for his wife. She had been diagnosed with cancer. 
He loved her so much. And we prayed and we prayed that God would bring healing. God chose not to. And she died about three months after we were there. When I went back this time, I asked David to come meet me at the airport. I just wanted to check on him, see how he was doing. I said, come meet me. I don't have a lot of time. I'm doing this conference, but I'd like to see you. And I was worried about how he would be. Maybe he had lost his faith in God. Maybe the setback had really destroyed him because I know I could tell when I was there how much he loved her. And I, know, I don't know what would happen in my life if I lost my wife. So he came to the airport. Within five minutes, I knew he was okay. I said, how are you with God? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, some people go through something like this and they lose their faith and trust in God. He goes, no, I, I could never do that. It, I trust God. I trust his faithfulness. I don't know why and I'm confused, but the reality is I know where she is and I want to spend the rest of my life. And this is a man who's well-resourced. He's a great entrepreneur. I want to use the rest of my life to start organizations that come alongside of people who are losing someone that they love and walk them through it and give them counseling and resources and prayer and everything that they need, full-time care. Here is a man that has had a major setback in his life and he has used it as a springboard to live his life to help other people. This is my third statement to you. Worth is defined by eternity. Worth is defined by eternity. Okay, now look up at me. I know you're writing this down. Worth is defined by eternity. Worth is defined by eternity. Worth is defined by eternity. Listen, don't waste your life. Okay, so you're going to go out and make some money, and you're going to build some houses, and you're going to drive some cars. But if that is the totality of your existence, you're going to be like most people before you. You're going to suffer depression and anxiety and frustration. And no matter how much you have, it's never, ever going to be enough. Nothing wrong with making money. Nothing wrong with having a home. Nothing wrong with driving a car. Nothing wrong. But if that is ultimately what you live for, you're going to die a little bit every day inside. And you're going to try to find things to dull in the pain. You're going to eat too much. You're going to drink too much. You're going to take your affluence and you're going to try to avoid what your soul knows so well that everything that you're living for is one day going to fade and the only thing that's left is eternity. In heaven's name, the apostle Paul said, I want to pursue Christ and I want to know him and by knowing him, I want to have the dunamis power in me to achieve greatness. And ultimately, so somehow attain what really matters, that which is eternal. Go ahead and be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a coach, a teacher. Go ahead, but ultimately, use that as a springboard to do eternal things. Help people in countries, help kids in countries who don't have access to education get education. Feed the people who are hungry in Africa, in South America. In heaven's name, go ahead. But the greatness that is in you, God wants you to use this gift that he's given you to make a difference in people's lives. It's not what you do in life that makes a difference. It's what you do for others that really makes the difference.
Not what you do, but what you do for others. That will last forever. That's eternity. Please. Live for something that matters. Don't be like the rest of us. I'm not saying that everybody in the room is like that. But the temptation for me and people older than you is to settle somewhere along the line. They get so stuck into building their business that they have little to no time for eternal things. Don't do it. Give America hope. Give our gen your generation hope. Be different. Fight social injustice. Look for those who are impoverished and poor. Don't just feed them, but take out the big enemy that's causing what's happening in your world. And live for eternal matters to make the lives of others better. Number one, direction, not intention, determines destination. Number two, failure is the gateway to success. When you fail, Please, please don't give up. Look, let me say it one more time. I've said it a thousand times. God made your anatomy to always be moving forward. Look at yourself. Your feet point forward. Your hands go forward. Your ears point forward. Your nose is on the front. Your eyes, your mouth. There's only one part of your anatomy on the other side. And that just proves that some things are meant to be left behind. Right? Right? Leave it behind. And finally, remember that worth is determined or defined by eternity. And within every single one of you, there is a holy discontent. Something that you'll not be able to sleep until you solve it. What is it? Don't give up on it. It can be done because you have the power of the Spirit of God in you and greatness is in you. Please, no mediocre, mundane life. And I don't care what your parents say or people in your community say, you can do it if you live by these principles. Now, one final word to those of you who are not between the age of 18 and 25. Is it too late for your dreams? No. Your God is too small. But you've got to seek him so that you can use wisdom in how to pursue it at this stage of your life. If you just go at it without Christ, you're, you're walking blind. Pursue him first, and he'll give you a new dream and a new vision. It's not too late. I, I let me end like this, just quickly. I challenged my father-in-law. Now, it's hard when a son-in-law challenges his father-in-law. I challenged him. Uh, my father-in-law is 76 years old, and he can still bring it. He can still preach the word. Every time I hear him, I'm amazed. I said, man, you're 76, and you're still fired up. And I said to him, I've been trying for ages to try to get him to leave his home in Lexington and come here and to live here and to keep mentoring me. Wouldn't it be great to have him preach five, six times a year here? Wouldn't it be fantastic? And the thing about it is what you don't know about him is where he is. He's like a prophet in his own country. He's not appreciated. And I said, come here because these people appreciate you and you can spend your wisdom and your time. And he says, well, I'm old. And I challenged him and I said, what if, I, what if you had 20 more years to live? He said, well, that'd make me 96. I said, well, look at you, man. You're 76 and you're healthy. 
I mean, the dude walked 36 holes in the heat of Thailand with me. The guy never stops. Matter of fact, every time he comes to my home, do you know what he does? He fixes everything. I love having him home because my wife gets off my back and he fixes everything. You know, you know what he did all day yesterday? He's painting my house. Oh yeah, it's a beautiful thing, a father-in-law like that. I said, what if you've got 20 more years left and you're just going to coast when you've got all this wisdom and knowledge? Those of you who are older, listen to me when I respectfully say this to you. Stop complaining about this generation. They're so entitled. You know what they want? Stop complaining and come alongside one of them and mentor and coach and teach them because they're open to that. They're just waiting for somebody to say, I'll do that in your life. One day, there's going to be a parade. The Bible seems to indicate that the day is coming when God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and there's going to be a parade. We're called the trophies of Christ, the trophies. And there's going to be a parade. And I went down to Pasadena and I saw the parade. And the marshal gets everybody together and each parade will have its section, and there will be a leader and his party or her party, and then he lines them up so that they'll pass in front of everybody who's come to see the parade. The Bible uses language that's something similar. I don't know if it's a metaphor. I don't know if it's precise, but there is a metaphor that seems to describe a great parade and a great day of celebration. And each single one of you are going to be the leader of a parade, a party. And the question is, Who's going to be following you? Who's in, your, who's in your party at the parade? Who are you going to bring that you made a difference in their lives because of the life you lived? And they have you to thank for bringing the gospel to them, for feeding them, for clothing them, for making it possible for them to hear, to receive. And it's like, I've often wondered, who's, who's in my party? Who's in yours? And every person has to ask that question because the temptation of everybody behind you is to get sucked in the vortex of the world and it will kill their dreams and they end up living a mediocre life trying to make ends meet from day to day sucked into this whole thing about self-absorption and eternity passes them by. Don't waste your life. Father, I thank you for your love, and I thank you for the power of your word and for every person that had the courage to come and sit right here. I would pray that you would remind them through the power of your spirit there's greatness in them, and this greatness is for a kingdom of eternality. I pray for every person in this room that's given up on a dream that they would pursue you first to get a new dream and to live the rest of their lives for a purpose greater than themselves. And we pray as your people and as your church that you would use us for greatness until it becomes a reality in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me
today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.